0: Long-time listeners know that Stacy and I both struggled with infant feeding stages with all our kids. Breastfeeding was hard, and choosing a formula was, well, also hard. We're thrilled to be working with ByHeart, an infant nutrition company on a mission to make the best formula in the world. Not only is ByHeart an easy-to-digest formula, their formula is also clinically proven for easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus leading infant formula. Additional terms and conditions apply. The number one thing we get asked about is healthy, hearty snack recommendations.
1: In fact, the name of our show was inspired by our response to the constant snack requests. And judging from how parents react when they hear, didn't I just feed you? We are not alone. It seems all parents with kids across all ages find keeping up with snacking a major
0: challenge. Not to mention our own snacking, too. We busy parents also need snacks that can fuel us in the right way, which is why we couldn't be more excited to share our new sponsor, Sunny. You guys, they might be the holy grail of snacks.
1: Sunny Snacks are 100% organic, pre-packaged snacks made with honest-to-goodness ingredients that are perfect grab-and-go sustenance for the whole family. Whether you're between meetings or picking the kids up at school, Sunny Snacks provide balanced nutrition to busy families on the go. They make a hummus dipper,
0: pizza dipper, guac dipper, taco dipper, and granola bites with fresh blueberries. Think filling combinations of fresh dips, their delicious cassava, flaxseed crackers, or bread dippers, and even cheese in some cases, all neatly packaged up and ready to eat.
1: And we don't use the word fresh lightly. Sunny Snack Packs are made fresh weekly and shipped to your doorstep without any added preservatives, fillers, or gums. Sunny Snacks are a lifesaver,
0: and of course they are. They're the product of a mom-owned business dedicated to supporting busy families with on-the-go solutions they can feel great about. Job well done. Our kids are sold, even the teens, and we love them too.
1: Yay! Learn more about Sunny and order the snack packs we're obsessed with at feelsunny.com. Use the exclusive code D-I-J-F-Y to get 20% off your
0: first order. That's 20% off at feel. S-U-N-N-I-E dot com, code D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You.
2: For those of us who are the cooks, like, we're spending time in the kitchen, and my hope is that that time is enjoyable for me. So, like, if I don't want to stand on the stove and, like, stir and stir and stir for 20 minutes, like, how can I make what I want in a way that I want to do it? Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids.
1: Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Today, we're talking with food writer Allie Slagle about her book, I Dream of Dinner, so that you don't have to. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yes. <laughs> I want Allie to dream of yes. dinner. We've both mentioned Allie's recipes in our summer, What We're Cooking and Eating Now episodes, and we know that this interview is going to be packed with dinner ideas for all of us.
0: Before we get into it, though, we wanted to invite you to our Didn't I Just Feed You listeners community. Our free community is where listeners from all over the world come together to ask questions, offer advice, and share favorite tips and recipes with direct access to both
1: of us. We think we're really special. (laughs) We'd love to have you as a supporting member of our community, too. And if you haven't heard, we've added several new Support options this summer, including access to just our private podcast feed, new recipe access, and more. So, if you haven't checked it out, be sure to visit didn'tIJustFeedYou dot com backslash community to get all the options and details on each one.
0: And if you can't join our community or become a supporting member right now, you can always support didn't I just feed you by leaving a rating or a review, or just listening.
1: Or just keep on Sharing this
0: episode (laughs) with someone you love. Sharing your favorite episode with someone you love. Whatever. It's all good. Whatever you can do. We love it all. We
1: do. As long as you keep listening. (laughs) Keep listening. Especially because we're going to talk to Allie today. I'm really excited about this. We had a really long conversation before we recorded with Allie about this book that, I don't know, we both thought was a really, really interesting one.
0: Yes. And we'll share more after we talk with Allie, I think. Yeah. But, okay, a fun question. Do you ever actually dream of dinner? And, like, would you consider that a good thing or a bad thing? Is that actually a nightmare? I do.
1: I mean, you know, it's different seasons, right? Yes. Okay. I am that person who dreams of dinner. I was actually recently listening to the episode we did on all the things we do on the weekend to make weeknight cooking easier. And I was laughing so hard because you were like, I have a prediction. All of my suggestions are going to be really practicals, and your are going to be about flavor, flavor and flavor and fanciness and fun stuff. And that is like I think that has a direct relationship to being someone who dreams of dinner. <laughs> like I do, okay. I wake up and I'm like, mm, can we eat good things today?" <laughs> and I really like my food to taste delicious. Like I'm not great at good enough dinners as a human. But as a mom, I have absolutely gone through long periods of time where good enough dinners are what we live on. And I will say that when the boys were younger, that used to not feel good. And as I got older and as I became more sort of comfortable with myself, I was like, yeah, okay. Like that's just the way, that that's the season we're in. That's the way it's going to be. And it is very freeing, especially as someone who dreams of dinner. You can be like, yeah, this is not like the end all be all. Like (laughs) there's going to be, and it's, I think a lot of it isn't just about confidence in yourself. It's confidence. I don't know, like maybe as a mom. And realizing, you know, when they're little, you know that they're going to go through different phases, but they come so fast and unexpectedly that you're like, is this going to stick? How long? And once you get in a rhythm, at least for me, especially with two kids and balancing both and their personalities and work, like once I finally got into a groove, which took me a good ass long time, like years, I was like, okay. Okay whatever season we're in now, it's definitely going to change again. There are plenty of opportunities. I don't have to freak out about what's happening now around how they eat, around how picky they are, around what I'm getting to eat, around how tired I am, around my cooking inspiration, which is a big part of my identity. How do you feel? Do you dream of dinner? I never dream of dinner. Never.
0: Well, I think, okay, in sleep dreams, I never dream of dinner. I have, I recently had a funny dream where I was building. Uh, the world's largest cheese platter with my
1: friend here in Chattanooga who owns a nonprofit called The Chattery. I have to tell you that that is the most on brand thing you have ever said (laughs) in your life. That's so freaking amazing. I can't even deal.
0: It wasn't a nightmare, though there was like stress in it. Like she was yelling at me. We were yelling at each other about the cheese, but like it was it seemed fun in the dream. But I do find myself daydreaming about dinners or thinking about dinners yeah. like when I'm on a walk or okay
1: I should have like, clarified that I meant daydreaming too I don't think I actually dream of dinner okay but yes although I could
0: see you like I could see you having a dream about like oh you're this time you were in Italy and you had this thing and you wake up and you're like okay we're having this for dinner yes. inspired by this dream so I didn't even question it but I think what I dream of and this is sort of like what you were saying, but just in with a slightly different lens. What I dream of, what I wish for, hope for and like covet in a lot of ways is like those weeks and they're they're few and far between, which is what makes me really appreciate them, where I feel like I just nailed meal planning. Like I'm using up stuff that's in our fridge, in our pantry. I'm trying out like one or two new things, whether it's a side dish or the main dish that I'm excited about or I think is exciting for my kids, like something that they've requested or something that they love to eat. And it doesn't feel daunting to do dinner, like dinner's sort of like mapped out. I don't know what to call those kinds of weeks, but it's just like being in flow with dinner. And especially, you know, we've been getting back into school at this point. I feel like October is often the time where I can finally hit that stride right before the holidays. We're firmly in fall cooking weather. We have like a routine dialed in for school. It's not craziness of the holidays yet. So it is. There are certain times of year where I feel like those
1: weeks are more attainable. And I dream of those times. I love those times, too. I October. Also, August for me happens to be a time because we don't go back to school until September and we tend to travel early in the summer. And so I feel like by the time we're done traveling and settled back home and everyone's calm and, you know, then in August, I feel like, oh, that's when I finally get into my summer cooking and I love it. And same fall happens in October. Then there's a big ass dry spell. (laughs) Right. Cause it's no, really cause hard like to be inspired. Holiday cooking
0: too, and like menu planning for like having holiday gatherings. That's one of your like that's different suits. though. That's different than dinner.
1: It is. It is. But okay. So getting back to Allie and her book, we'll talk about this more with her. I feel like in a way that I can deeply relate to and appreciate, Allie's book seems to be inspired by a romantic. Conception, a family that she has from watching her mom and her grandmother cook. Allie doesn't have her own kids; she's not cooking for her own kids every night after night. So, in some ways, this romantic piece is something I really deeply appreciate and gives me the warm fuzzies. But then, as the practical mom side of me, kind of chuckles at. At the same time, she still manages to write recipes and call on you in a way that brings up exactly what you're talking about. Those weeks when you're in sync, you're using things up, you're planned. The recipes are simple. They don't have a lot of ingredients. She writes this beautiful line in the intro that's basically like, I'm going to treat those vegetables that are about to go bad with just as much you know, grace and excitement as I am the farmer's market stars and celebrities. So I love that even though the book comes from this romanticized place of family, she still manages to put out a book that's really great for busy parents today.
0: Yeah. I think there's a really great conversation that we should have after we talk to Allie. And we asked Allie about this, too, about what constitutes dinner. Yes. honestly, you know I'm a little upset there's not a dessert section.
1: I know. I, drink the dinner. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> know. I know we were looking through it and I was like, oh, there's no dessert. You're like, yeah, cuz dinner. And then I was like, yeah, but is a dessert also, part of dinner? dinner. <laughs> yes. I know. Well, that's
0: a what is part of dinner? What I is think part this of is dinner? It's like a question we could honestly be asking every single guest and everyone would give us a different answer and like if you asked Meg single Megan what was dinner is very different from Megan partnered or Megan with a family. So, I think it's a really fun and interesting question maybe it's i'm gonna start bringing it up at dinner parties instead of asking people what their podcast would be (laughs) i love it i'm gonna ask them what
1: constitutes dinner well let's start by asking Allie. yes Allie slagle is a recipe developer stylist and most of all home cook she's a frequent contributor to the new york times and washington post where she published hundreds of low investment high reward recipes Previously, she cut her teeth on the editorial and creative team at Food 52 and 10-Speed Press. She's currently working from the road in her camper van for six months without a dishwasher, food processor, or stand mixer, which is crazy, but amazing. (laughs) Welcome, Allie. Allie, the name of your fantastic book is I Dream of Dinner So You Don't Have To. So we want to know, when you dream of dinner... What does it actually look like? (laughs) Oh gosh.
2: I mean, the title of the book could also be All I Do Is Think About Dinner. Because when I'm, you know, like on the train or I'm walking around, all I'm doing is thinking about like what's in the fridge, what odds and ends are in the fridge, and how can I bring them together into dinner. I'm almost like rehearsing a dance performance in my head in terms of like what I'm going to get to go home and do in the kitchen. I love that.
1: So love what that- is it like what's on the plate? Like does it yeah. depend? We want to
2: talk about it really depends
1: what constitutes dinner.
2: So ooh, that's a great question. So I think I always start with like there's a restaurant idea that's like first in first out meaning whatever you buy first you should eat first but my version of that is like what's gonna go bad first so it could even be herbs you know it could be that I have like a huge bunch of basil that's not going to last more than five minutes so how can I make all of that basil into dinner and then I think about you know what's like the bulk of the dish so Maybe it's beans. Maybe it's pasta. Maybe it's chicken. And then I think about, like, texture. Like, do I want to have something really crispy? Do I want to cut into something? Do I want, like, a warm bowl that I can hold really close to my face and, like, slurp with a spoon? And then I just keep going. Um, So it definitely starts with, like, what do I want to eat? And then it goes to, like, what do I want to cook? Because I think for those of us who are the cooks, like we're spending time in the kitchen. And my hope is that that time is enjoyable for me. So like, if I don't want to stand on a stove and like stir and stir and stir for 20 minutes, like, how can I make what I want in a way that I want to do it?
1: I have so much to say here. First of all, love that you started with first in first out. That's actually one of our didn't I just feed you principles borrowed from our experience working in restaurants, which both Megan and I have done. And it's such a great rule to live by, especially when you're a busy home cook, because plans change, things happen, things go bad faster than you expect them to. And especially in this moment when food prices are so high and when parents are really in a lot of ways at their wits' end, (laughs) like not wasting, not wasting money, not wasting food. It's such a great principle to start with. I also love, and I'm curious to talk a little bit more. And Megan, I want to know because I feel like you had a moment too when Ellie was talking about thinking about what constitutes dinner in terms of textures and desire as opposed to a meat and three kind of mentality, as opposed to like, what's on the plate, which is kind of the old school way of thinking about it. Like I need a protein, I need a vegetable, I need a grain, or I need a, you know, something else. The fact that you start with, like, what is the experience I'm looking for is really beautiful and appealing. And I wonder how it works with families with lots of kids. You know what I mean? Like, but I want to go there. Like I'm that cook who wants to make sure that at the end of my time cooking, there's something I want to eat regardless of my kids. Megan has a slightly different approach.
0: Yeah. Mine is also incredibly pragmatic. I'm of the two of us, more of the meal planner, like calendar person. And what sounds good or what feels good is actually like pretty low on my list for dinner most nights I mean definitely it's always stuff I want to eat but there's like a lot of considerations when you have kids and I think something interesting that bubbles up for for both Stacy and I about I Dream of Dinner is there are many dishes where that could 100% be dinner because it is lends itself very well to like it's a bowl meal and like everything you want to eat is in that bowl but there are some dishes where I'm like oh that feels more like A side dish for my family and i would have to supplement that with like grilled chicken and some crusty bread so i just would love to hear like for you when you say something is dinner like is it always one bowl or is there some room for like building out dinner a little bit more
2: that's a great question so this book is 150 recipes which for a cookbook is quite large Um, and the point of that really was like to reach what dinner means to a variety of people because I think there are definitely still people that imagine dinner as like a meat and two sides and to me my challenge was like how do I do that in a streamlined way because I watch my mom you know make a meat and two and there are like three to five dishes happening and skillets and pans and I'm like I I truly can't do that like that is too chaotic for me and I will not be able to achieve that meal so how do I make a meat and two in a streamlined way? streamlined But then I think there's also people who that like format of like what's on the plate doesn't really resonate with them. You know, they want kind of like a make ahead, you know, vegetable forward thing that they can adapt, you know, maybe put tofu on one for one person or chicken on another. And then I think like there's this other layer in the book that really mattered to me, which was like, dinner doesn't have to be a big ordeal. Sometimes, There's a recipe in the book that's just a fried egg on a burger bun. And like sometimes that is the best dinner because you can make it quickly in one pan. And like it hits texture, like crispy, gooey, adaptable. And it was important to me to also kind of signal like if you just want to make a hard boiled egg with like some carrots, I don't know, like that's okay. Like, it doesn't always have to be a huge production.
1: It's so interesting that you picked that recipe because I handed the book to my 12-year-old who loves food and is the more curious one about cooking. And I was like, you know, dog ear, what looks good to you? And that was one of the recipes he dog eared (laughs) the egg sandwich. And it was funny because this conversation that Megan and I are trying to tap into is the conversation I had with myself where I was like, first I was like, great. That's freaking easy. And that sounds delicious to me too. Like if I was still a single person, that's what I would make. But then I was like, uh, in reality, he likes that, but like, he'll be like, okay, where's second dinner and third dinner? Because he's growing and eats a ridiculous, insane amount of food. And then dinner becomes this, it goes from being this pleasurable thing to this very annoying thing where, you know, you think you've cleaned everything up and you've fed them dinner. And then he's like, I'm still hungry. I'm still hungry. I'm still hungry. I'm still hungry. And here we are 40 minutes after dinner has stopped and I want to be done. And you're still rummaging through my fridge. Like, get out.
2: <laughs> get out. Yeah. I don't care I that say- you're so <laughs> hungry, you know? Make them the Fredericks day, which is like a snack. Yes. And then yes, worry about it. Totally. Yeah. So
1: it really depends. But I love that you were trying to hit these different levels. Yeah. I think it makes the book very adaptable and appealing.
2: Yeah. I think I tried, you know, it's like the other thing is like there are people who cook dinner not because they want to, like because they have to. And what does that look like for them? And then there are people who like, this is their joy in life, but they're out of ideas. Like they just need new ideas. So I really, I try to think about like all instances in which someone is making dinner.
1: Do you feel at all invested in taking people from one place to another? Like that person who has to cook just because they have to, do you care about trying to inspire them to be someone
2: who's like, I really like this? I do feel like there are some people that just don't like to cook. It's kind of like someone who loves soccer. I really believe that I don't love soccer, and nothing could change me. And so I can't expect, you know, like I can't I'm expect even Ted that like, lasso. You know? <laughs> I don't know why I said we have been like playing soccer, which means just like running around the field just for fun. But like I don't understand. I always think I'm on a trip. Um, so I, I do think it's more like kind of like do you know for some people it's like doing the laundry like how can you make doing the laundry like a good 20 30 minutes of your day like I acknowledge that for some people dinner is just a chore and how does it how do you make it feel not like a chore even if it is
0: before we get into the rest of this week's episode let's take a quick break to hear from this week's sponsors Stacey, this year, fall and winter mean back to the classroom, sports, after-school activities, and even fall and winter holidays. Masks optional. So more than ever, I'm looking to do all that I can to keep my kids' immunity
1: boosted. I am right there with you. These days, staying well is not just about keeping our kids and their communities safe. It's also about keeping things running smoothly, to be honest. Having the sniffles can cause confusion and stress, disruption, So vitamins are an especially important part of our routine.
0: That's why I couldn't be more thrilled that Haya Health is back as a Didn't I Just Feed You sponsor. We were introduced to Haya's chewable children's vitamins last year, and they quickly became our favorite.
1: And it's no wonder that they did. Haya vitamins are made with a blend of 12 farm fresh fruits and vegetables, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth, bones, and more. And
0: the best part is that they are made with zero sugar. Did you know that typical children's vitamins are filled with as much as two teaspoons of sugar, a bunch of chemicals, and other stuff that many parents try to avoid? None of that is found in Hiya Vitamins.
1: It's also hard to beat their convenience. Hiya Vitamins come straight to your door with a pediatrician recommended schedule. The first month comes with a reusable glass bottle that your kids can personalize with stickers. Then every month thereafter, Haya sends a no-plastic refill pouch of fresh vitamins.
0: Good for the planet, no sugar, non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and my kids like them. What's not to love?
1: We've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamins. Receive 50% off your first order at HayaHealth.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y.
0: This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash D-I-J-F-Y and get your kids the full body nourishment they need. Y'all, by now you know that we're
1: huge fans of KiwiCo. And actually, it's not just us. Our kids are big fans too. And Yummy Crate, the latest KiwiCo subscription line, has only made them even more excited to tear into their monthly KiwiCo delivery.
0: Even better than the kids being excited, Yummy Crate has gotten my daughter so excited about cooking that she's looking forward to helping prep school lunches and even help make dinner on some nights.
1: That's amazing. And you know what, Megan? We have proof of that too. This summer on Instagram, we shared the burgers that she made with one of her recent Yummy Crates. And I say that counts as full-on dinner help. Plus, they looked delicious. They were,
0: and the whole process was simple too. Each month, Yummy Crate delivers high quality kitchen tools, three recipes, and two projects that teach kitchen skills and get kids cooking. Before each crate arrives, you also get a shopping list that includes alternative ingredients to accommodate different diets from vegetarian to vegan. Done and done.
1: KiwiGo is designed to foster a love of science and cooking in kids ages 6 to 14 with recipes and activities that explore hands on experimentation. And there it is, all really happening in your very own kitchen.
0: And it can happen in yours too. Feed your kids curiosity this fall with hands-on kitchen experiments with Yummy Crate from KiwiCo. It's easy with no commitment. You can pause or cancel anytime.
1: And didn't I just feed you listeners get 50% off their first month plus free shipping with the code D-I-J-F-Y at KiwiCo.com. That's 50%
0: 50% off your first month at KIWICO.com. Promo code D I J F Y short for Didn't I Just Feed You.
2: Hi, I'm Heather. And
1: I'm Brittany, and together we host Ocayus Moms the Podcast. Every Tuesday
2: you can find us in your podcast feed with a new episode on a variety of motherhood topics. Motherhood looks differently for everyone, and none of us are doing it perfectly no matter what anyone's Instagram feed tells you. We believe that in order to be the best mom, whatever that looks like to you, you need to carve out an identity for yourself so that you feel like someone other than just mom. With a mix of lighthearted episodes where we discuss things like pop culture and kids' birthday party norms, to heavier topics like helping children cope with grief and redefining your relationship with alcohol, we set out to normalize imperfect motherhood and empower you to make whatever decision is best for you and your family. And don't miss our monthly OKS Mom Moment episodes where we share listener-submitted stories from the motherhood trenches. You know, those moments that we all have that leave you saying WTF, or the times you got a dirty look in public for letting your child do something that they, quote, shouldn't do. The kind of stuff that you'd only share with your best girlfriends and not strangers on the internet. Find us
1: wherever you get your podcasts, on Instagram at OKS Moms Podcast or at OKSMoms.com.
0: This is such a great question. And I'm also really glad that you mentioned your mom because in I Dream of Dinner, you talk about like how inspired you are by your mom's cooking, by your Nona's cooking and this sort of like romanticized version of what dinner is. And I think for a lot of parents, it doesn't feel like that right now. And We all, we talk a lot on didn't I just feed you about how there's seasons and like, Stacy's in a season where she gets to do a little bit more of that, like romanticized cooking. And I'm like really in the depths of elementary school kids. There's different challenges in those different seasons. We reference our moms. Both of us grew up with single moms and I learned to cook, I say, because my mom, I just got tired of Hamburger Helper all the time and and wanted to try other things. But do you feel like there's a big shift from like how our moms cook, how your mom cooked, And like what resources, like time, budget, thinking about sustainability, that there's like more challenges for busy home cooks right now?
2: I think there's just more awareness of challenges that have always been there. Like I think sustainability is a big one that I am definitely thinking about more. I think prices too are interesting because they're just fluctuating a lot more. So what you thought in your mind was cheap, one day might not be the next day and so it kind of can like screw up your plans a little bit but I think my mom's cooking and my grandma's cooking has always been one of efficiency and resourcefulness especially my grandma like I think it's like a depression era trait she like cannot throw any scrap of food away and I feel the same way but I think more it's like a fun challenge like I don't it's also like, I don't want to take the trash out to the dumpster. So like, how can I <laughs> put less trash in the trash <laughs> can? You know, I'm here for that. I'm here for that <laughs> thinking. <laughs> I feel like I have just learned more like, you know, that you can actually eat like every single part of the fennel, like that you can eat the core and the stalks and like just the more that you know about ingredients, the more that you can be resourceful.
1: I love that word. I think resourceful is a really like great beacon when you're in the kitchen especially these days the tagline for your book low effort high reward recipes what makes a recipe low effort and high reward because man does that sound perfect
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know isn't that what we all I I literally dream of that as a recipe writer I'm like how can I make this taste the best and take the least amount of
2: yeah I mean I think like your experience of like making dinners three times a night like it's just not something I've experienced but I think as a result I just am trying to make things as streamlined and efficient as possible for all of those occasions like I can't live every single person's life but I think what I really try and do with my recipes is make sure that they are secondary to your life meaning like I've definitely tested recipes for other people and I have spent the entire day procuring the groceries making the thing, washing up after the thing, getting the right tools. And like, there's a there's a time and place for that. But I hope that my recipes kind of slip into people's lives so that they can chip away at it when they have time, they can adapt it to what's in the fridge, all of that kind of thing. So I think I'm always just thinking about like real life moments as I'm cooking. So like suddenly I'm making something and like something starts splattering. It's like red light, we must stop. Like, I I don't want to clean up this mess. and I cannot ask anyone else to. I
1: so deeply appreciate this. And I feel like I'm older than Megan. Megan's older than you. When we were coming up, I do think that there was this big divide between family cooking and then everybody else who wrote for, like, you know, general publications, like Food & Wine, Bon App, all these places. And... I don't know. I'm going to speak for myself. But Megan, I think I speak for you, too, because we've talked about it. As a recipe developer and food writer, editor who focused on family, there was this feeling that you were looked down on a little bit because you were trying to nail this low effort, high reward in a time when that isn't how food was being approached for all home cooks. And I do feel a big shift happening with younger food writers like you that I so appreciate because it's bringing the sensibility of this food that we grew up and like admired and loved this, you know, for lack of a better word, there's something sort of chefy still about you know, using certain ingredients that are now more widely available and it actually isn't chefy. you know, it's pretty easy to find chili crunch or lemongrass or what have you, but making it simple because, you know, there were a lot of people in the food space who were focusing on family who were still talking about only mac and cheese and chicken nuggets. And there's like a place in between. And it's so exciting to see younger food writers hitting that place in between for everybody, because it really is a great way to cook. But can you get specific with us about low effort, high reward? What does that mean? Does that mean a certain number of ingredients you should be looking for? Does that mean less chopping? Does that mean having certain things on hand?
2: Yeah. So all the recipes in the book are fewer than 10 ingredients in 45 minutes. Um, And I also try and think about like the number of processes that are happening. So I try and only make you do at most two things, meaning there's a lot of chopping and something on the stove, or you're putting the sheep in the oven and you're making a sauce. So like once you start getting into three things, I start feeling like it's a lot to manage, but at the same time, like a lot of dishes are balanced with three things. So it's figuring out like, how can you get at those three things in fewer steps? And there's definitely, in terms of low effort too, I also think about the grocery shopping. Like to me, grocery shopping is an effort and that is time in your day. So how can you not spend a lot of time grocery shopping if you don't need to? So I'm thinking about what substitutions can happen. And also maybe not like if I'm giving, I can't give you all the substitutions that can exist for a recipe. There's so many ways you can riff on the ideas, but I'm more trying to, give you like the structure of a recipe so that you can see how to adapt it for your life. So to that end, the book is organized by main ingredient because I do still think people like as much as I think about like what's going bad first, I do still think people think first, like what's the, what's the big thing on the plate, um, whether that's chicken or beans or something like that. And then beyond that in the book, there's techniques. So basically how I turn that main ingredient into a meal And my thinking there was like, if you understand the root, like the blueprint of a recipe, you can use that blueprint with whatever you have. Because sometimes reading a recipe is the effort. Like sometimes that is the thing that will just not happen some nights. And um, like you know, the way my mom cooked, like she was kind of winging it, but but she actually knew what she like. She actually did have a plan. Like she understood techniques that she could use with certain ingredients and then adapt it flavor wise. So my hope is that the book is organized in a way so that you have that formula if you choose to use it. Yes. We have to talk about how brilliant it is
0: that there are no head notes on the recipes. Every recipe just has like a little tagline that's sort of descriptive. And uh, we both love that because it's like let's bypass the bullshit and let's get right into what you need totally. to know. I'm so curious, the because you talked about like the length of the ingredient list and this idea of like um, winging it, but with confidence, which is improvisation, really. The ingredient lists are not prescriptive. They just give like the basic ingredients that you need at a quick glance. And then within the recipe, you've given more exacting amounts. What is the response been to that? I'm asking this a little bit because Stacy and I, like we feel a little bit differently about it.
2: It was a definite risk for sure. And some people get it and really feel liberated by it. And some people want to skewer me for it. Like some people are so (laughs) mad about it. And I get it. Like it's a new way of thinking about reading a recipe. My hope is that we're thinking less about like making a recipe and more about cooking and my hope is that the structure of the recipe kind of like inches us in that direction so that we can be more resourceful more efficient more just like cooking what feels good instead of like what a recipe is prescribing so the way that the information is formatted is there's kind of like a shopping list so you can scan this list of ingredients and see like do I have these things what do I need and whatever you don't need there are measurements for you but they are in bold in the recipe steps which means one you will have to read the recipe first which is kind of my sneaky way of forcing you to read a recipe before you start cooking it because introductions always say you should and no one ever does so that was my hack for that. Or you just don't worry about the measurements and you buy something from the grocery store and most of the recipes use like a full common measure of something. So either you'll be set or you might have like a little bit too little of something and then you're okay. Like there are substitutions for you. Like this is when you start making decisions for yourself and figuring it out. For sure. Yeah.
0: I think there are people who really feel strongly against that without like revealing two of us. (laughs) I think
2: I can figure it out. (laughs) No,
1: it's me. But I don't, I actually feel less strongly now that I hear you describe it. It works for me. I'm so ingrained in thinking about an audience. I mean, my first cookbook is called Make It Easy. Like I so come from a place of thinking about, and like every single bad review was, about like, well, this is just too simple for me. Like I think about people who don't want to cook, but have to, because they have kids. And I think I'm moving, you know, like, like all of us, like my cooking's evolving. My work is evolving. Now that I have older kids, I wrote make it easy when I had two small kids, you know, and my sister doesn't love to cook. And now she has three small kids And she will just get on the phone and rail with me about rest. She's like, just tell me what to freaking do. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't want to learn to cook. I don't want to improvise. Like, the minute I have to think at all, I'm annoyed because she has a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, and an eight-year-old. So she just, you know, it's not where she wants to spend her time. But I love what you're trying to do. And I think that, you know... That's always the hope that when you love cooking the way the three of us love cooking, you know, you do want to be practical, but you hope that people will eventually start to love cooking. Like if we could just help them get kind of a handle on it the same way that like my personal trainer hopes that I'll eventually one day be like, I feel great and I love to exercise because there's a reward. And, you know, I just never do. But that's just me. <laughs> like, I feel like I'll always hate to exercise. <laughs> and she just has to deal with that. But for her profession, like, it's great that that's her aspiration. <laughs> I love
0: that there's like this thing here that's I'm digesting about the people who don't like to cook and like what they want from a recipe versus like getting them to feel confident enough that even if they hate, hate, hate cooking, they know what to do in the kitchen without a recipe. So I'm so curious, Allie, like, What, for people who, like, want to be better at winging it, who want to be better at improvising, what are tools, like, hardware, pots, pans, et cetera, and ingredients that make improvisation Mm -hmm. easier?
2: So in the back of the book, there is a list of every single pantry ingredient in the book. And they're organized by the main thing that they contribute to a dish. So I think instead of thinking about, like, This recipe calls for ketchup and I don't have ketchup. What do I do? It's understanding what that ingredient is doing in that recipe. It's my
1: favorite part of the book. It's genius. Thank you.
2: So I think like if you have a grasp of what each ingredient does or you just look at this list, you can understand how you can swap within those sections. So if you are looking for something spicy And you don't have sriracha, like what are, what's another like spicy thing that you can add? And the point of the recipes is that they're flexible enough that they can adapt in that way. So I think instead of thinking about like, do I have this ingredient, which I think is like how my mom cooks, like, well, I don't have this one ingredient, I have to go to the store because this is how I make this thing. Um, It's more thinking about what each of those ingredients is is doing. And then I think in terms of tools, like, I'm really lo-fi on the tools. I don't have a stand mixer. I don't have a blender. I don't have a food processor. Like, I think a knife and a cutting board. One big skillet. I would go for cast iron. I didn't grow up with cast iron, but I have come around to cast iron as the most multi-purpose skillet. And then a sheet pan and, like, some big mixing bowls.
0: I love that there's no, like, measuring spoons, measuring utensils at all on that list.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of, like, no recipes don't include measurements, and even that, for me, is a little scary. Like, I think you just need, like, a general sense. And I think, too, like, just keep cooking. Like, the more you do it, the more you will understand what ingredients are doing and what, like, a certain measurement looks like without having to measure it. Totally. Before we play our
0: favorite game, which is Kiss, Mary, Kill, and we're gonna put some of the recipes from I Dream of Dinner up against each other, I have a as our resident pastry chef baker. <laughs> I have a question. I know you did one hundred and fifty recipes, so probably there wasn't room for it. But like, why is there not a, like a small dessert <laughs> section in I Dream of Dinner? Like, I think of when you when I
2: ask myself what constitutes
0: dinner, a little sweetie afterwards mm. is
1: included.
2: So. I bake because I want to eat the thing, not because I enjoy baking. So I... man. <laughs> so I'm like like snacking cakes, see or Facebook, like that's my jam. Yeah, Like one bowl, stir it together, keeps for a couple days. Even sometimes like cookies, like portioning the cookies, like kind of a lot of work. Um, so for me, like I'll just have some chocolate and like be totally fine or like some sort of assembled thing mm-hmm. like ice cream with like nuts on top or something like that I've developed one baking recipe in my life and it it took over it was too much <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> I feel the way you do but
1: I've I've developed more than one baking recipe but I I hear you
0: but also even you just saying like oh it's I would assemble things I feel like as much as there's like Snacking Cakes is a great book. We just had Jessie Sheehan and her new book, Snackable Bakes on, which I feel like you would adore for the same reasons. Like There's a lot of the same ethos in her book that are in I Dream of Dinner. But like now I'm like, well, I want to know what Allie would put together to make dessert. That's like that low effort, high reward dessert. So maybe that's the next one.
1: Okay. I know Megan wants to (laughs) jump into the game, but I actually... Because I I think you're going to do recipes for Kiss Mary Kale. But I want to hear that if Ali had to live with only five low effort, high reward ingredients, what they would be.
0: Mm -hmm. You have to be specific, too. You can't just be like beans. We want to know which kind of bean, what cut, cut of pasta.
2: So I think the thing is about this question is a lot of people would pick like the bulk, right? Like the bean or the chicken. But... Also, those things have to taste good. So the flavorings are very important. So the first thing I would say is lemon. Yes. Because when something is like kind of drab, if you just put some lemon on it, it's better. It's so it's so much brighter and um, it can do so much for us. And it also
1: comes with something with the peel so you can zest it too. So you can get exactly. two layers of flavor out of one ingredient. Love it, love it, love mm-hmm. it. I'm Greek, so I'm very partial to lemon.
2: Oh, so so many lemons <laughs> in this household. Um, so I can't even have, like, olive oil as a freebie? It has no, to I be one of the five. I
1: say you can, but Megan, I can tell she's...
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, no, Like I think okay. Butter, olive yeah.
1: oil, salt. Those are freebies.
2: Okay, great. Um, <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> Whew, okay, so I'm going to say if those were the next two and I only had two left, that would be scary. Um, chickpeas, because... They are, they can be sturdy, meaning like you can make a salad, but you can also puree them into something softer and you have like good starchy liquid that you can use to bolster a sauce, make a creamy sauce. And I just love them. Also, so like you have kids that you have to deal with, like whether or not they like what you eat. And my boyfriend and I have very different eating tastes and (laughs) like I could eat beans every single day. And he will not do that, (laughs) but he (laughs) but he can get behind a chickpea. So I'm also thinking about like what is a universal food in this household. Yeah to me, chickpeas and beans are not that different, but for some reason there's a delineation in his mind. So that's it. Okay, so pasta. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I eat a lot of pasta. I'm currently on like a little bit of a pasta break because I think I overdid it. But in terms of a shape, I would say orchetti is the most multi-purpose because it's a soup pasta or a pasta pasta. I love that. It works really well in one pot pastas meaning like you cook the pasta in the sauce and stir it all together. And I love how it like holds a sauce like a spiral pasta but can also deal with like a thin sauce like a long noodle could. Hey, you're at, you've got 3. Two more. <laughs> I'm just picking searches.
0: <laughs> <laughs> This is a no judgment zone. If your diet
2: is starch forward, <laughs> it's beautiful. You're eating what we want to eat. Okay. I would say broccoli rabe. Ooh. I was thinking kale or broccoli rob And I think broccoli rob okay. is kind of something that I always have around because it lasts pretty long and similar to beans and pasta. It can be like a cold dish, like you blanch it and just dress it and oil and vinegar, or it can be a soupy thing, or you can add it to truly anything to add a vegetable. But I do think like a dark green vegetable is important to my arsenal. Is that four? Yeah. One more? That's four, yeah. Is there anything like really
0: essential I'm forgetting? Eesh. No, it's really like, uh, I think my, like my list and Stacy's list would be different too. So it's more just like what, it's really narrowing down the things that you love in the Okay,
2: list. so mm-hmm. eggs. How could I forget? I eat eggs a lot because they're fast and there's so many things you can do with them. And they feel inexpensive in comparison to meat, but they are a good source of protein. Totally. Yeah.
0: We love eggs. We did a whole like how to turn eggs into dinner episode this summer. Yeah. Because of how much we both love there's them.
2: There's an egg chapter in the book and I think some people are kind of like some of these things are breakfasty, but Whatever Hold breakfast
0: for dinner, people. Yeah, don't worry get about on, it. get on it, get around it. Okay, so our favorite game, and then we will let you get on with your day. Kiss Mary Kill. Are you familiar with this mm-hmm. game? <laughs> okay. so I've got three recipes from your book. I tried to pick things that I've cooked too, so I have a little bit of an opinion on them. They are the French onion, white bean bake, sloppy lennies,
2: and the 50/50 buttered noodles and greens. I would marry the Sloppy lennies. I just, like, there's something about that recipe that I cannot quit. Yeah. There's just so many, like, big flavor additions, like, so many strong flavors that make it so appealing, and in contrast to, like, the softness. So, like, the flavor is loud, but the texture is very quiet. It's
0: very comforting, and it feels like familiar but also new you like have family who loves sloppy joe's sloppy lenny is the
2: way to go yeah i would kiss the french onion bake because well i'm kissing some onions um (laughs) uh, i think it's like i wouldn't make it every night you know like there's something like a little extravagant about it i think it's the amount of cheese that's happening and also the type of cheese, like Gruyere feels fancy to me in a way that like I might not always have Gruyere. And then I would kill the buttered noodles and greens. Yeah, I feel surprised
0: by, a little bit surprised when you say how much you love pasta, but also maybe it's the season that you're into where you're like. That's
2: true. Oh. I think it's like, a, as like a back pocket pasta, my personal inclination is to go more the like olive oil, garlic chili direction more than butter and cheese
1: which yeah. is another so one that Oliver dog-eared ooh so i
2: love i mean yeah you you and Oliver that you have obviously <laughs> to break <bring> bread together <laughs> <laughs> he picks all of my like you know like starving nothing in the house like scramble scramble dishes yeah
1: <laughs> that's good cuz one day he's going to be a 22-year-old guy <laughs> probably live in that life very in a very real way
2: some friends came over like during the day like at lunchtime and they were still here at dinner time and they have a one-year-old and i kind of was like i guess i'm gonna make them dinner <laughs> like, i guess this is what's happening now and i made just oil, oil with like a salad and they were just like what is this like, this is incredible awesome. and i was like ladies it is garlic, yeah. are like chili flakes <laughs> olive oh, well <laughs> But it really is that good. It's all you need. It is exactly. all you need.
1: Allie, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure, and your book is fantastic. Congratulations. Everybody should go out and buy this book. Stat. Thank
2: you so much.
0: Okay. I loved chatting with Allie. I feel like a lot of my pantry picks are similar slash different and i want to hear what our listeners community is going to say about their like five things so that they could have on hand but i think there's still something for me lingering and i asked myself this question even like in planning meals and thinking about what i want to cook versus what feeds my family which they're not often the same thing and i feel sort of bad i was like oh yeah what how i feel and what i want to eat was like very is very low on the list of priorities when thinking about dinner. But like what constitutes dinner for you? Can is dinner does dinner always include a side? And like even what is a side dish? Like is bread
1: a side dish? You're asking. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Okay. I'm asking.
2: Um because those are also
1: rhetorical questions that I think are really good. And I think that, you know, you and I have struggled with this because there's something about the pressures that you and I have experienced that we think many, not all family home cooks, busy home cooks experience that we can't quite put our finger on, but then we also want to have this really broad understanding of what it means to be a busy home cook and what it means to cook for family. Allie isn't just, like, cooking in a vacuum. She's cooking for her boyfriend, and that's another person. That's more taste. Like, it feels like that's really different than a single mom cooking for a kid, which is just a two-person household, the way Allie's family is a two-person household. But maybe it doesn't have to be. We're just, we're trying to be expansive, but at the same time kind of drill down into what it means to be a busy family cook in this moment in time where many parents are worried about budgets.
0: Mm-hmm. Nutrition is a thing that we worry about maybe needlessly.
1: It's like Ali said, it's like we know more now there's more awareness of all these anxieties. You know, there's um, just plain old being burnt out from two years of being in a pandemic and trying to raise kids. And that is a differentiator that I think has to do with whether or not you are raising kids in your home or not because they're the, just the pure exhaustion of going through it emotionally yourself and then carrying the weight of worrying what does this experience mean for these small people who I'm responsible for, these younger people who I'm responsible for. Oh. And we're burnt the heck out. You know, for me personally, what constitutes dinner, I'm just thinking about the dinner that I made last night where there's still some corn left, believe it or not, cut corn off the cob and just made pasta with corn, Parmesan, lots of black pepper. And then I sauteed zucchini on the side with some fresh Roma tomatoes and garlic and a lot of olive oil. So it kind of got nice and cooked down and jammy. Oliver, I know, doesn't like zucchini, so he didn't eat that. And then there was plenty of corn in the pasta, but the corn got left on the bottom. It was a very quick meal, but it Mm -hmm. felt very satisfying to me because there was something about it, even though it only had a few ingredients that felt a little bit sophisticated, felt a little bit like it satisfied me. Then when he didn't eat any of the vegetables, I was like a little bit annoyed (laughs) about it. So I don't know, like, but that felt like dinner. Even though it like it didn't yeah. hit all the marks, even though he didn't eat his vegetables. And clearly for me, vegetables have to be a part of dinner. Like there have to be vegetables for it to be dinner. I have a hard time when there aren't vegetables. So I don't know. I feel like as long as I'm putting vegetables on the table, that's dinner. There has to be plenty because I have we're all big, big eaters. Right. And I guess what plenty means kind of varies, but there has to be like heft. And if it's a one bowl meal, it still has a lot of elements. So it could be a little misleading to say one bowl meals satisfy us because those one bowl meals usually require multiple steps or lots of chopping or opening cans because I need to have a protein and maybe beans and a lot of vegetables and a dressing. So in a way, like last night's pasta with a side of sauteed zucchini was easier than a one bowl meal. So vegetables, heft, and I don't know, there's this like little something about what I want to eat and like it feeling sophisticated. That's the wrong, completely the wrong word.
0: It's a thing we talked about recently in the like listeners group when something like feels fancy, it feels like high reward.
1: So that, I guess, I don't know. That was a very long ramble. That's what constitutes dinner for me in this moment in time with a nearly 13 year old and a 15 year old. Yeah. I think when
0: I say this is like the question of like, what is dinner is something I've grappled with for a long time, is also because sometimes I'm looking for the egg sandwich permission slip. Like, you could just eat bread and egg, and like, that could be dinner. Sometimes I want. To
1: feel that. Feeling. Yeah. And you don't.
2: That's interesting because that <laughs> you don't. To- like, yeah, I, made th- and I, don't.
1: I made Western omelets the other day for dinner.
0: But then, see, that's more components, right? Because you're like getting the veggie, you're getting yeah. that heft that you're talking about, you're getting that high reward thing that you're so talking about. So, that to me about. feels
1: like egg and bread, but it hit all the notes that I said. Like, it's not just scrambled eggs and bread. Yeah. I added heft, I added more veggies. And then it felt a little bit more flavorful than scrambled eggs. So it hit the, so it was just eggs and bread, but that feels, that to me felt like dinner.
0: And also we've talked about this once before, maybe like in a What We're Cooking and Eating Now episode, where I, there's something I'm trying to track, unlock about this idea of like, and this is true of bowl meals uh, that uses a great example of like, Is there a way to make something that feels like dinner? And I think that there is. Where like you cook one thing, you're really doing like hands on cooking of one thing, but then like everything else is like either assembly, chopping, opening cans, or something that you bought. That I think might be like a little bit of magic for making dinners in a in a didn't I just feed you way even in a way that I would dream about in a way that I would hit that flow, that cadence we were talking about, like weeks where I'm excited about dinner and I feel like I'm hitting all the marks for my family too. When
1: you feel like you hit the marks, what is it? So what is dinner to you? Can you answer the question for yourself? No, I can't.
2: (laughs) That's okay. I was just curious. It's funny because
0: I feel like your pasta example of like doing pasta with sort of like a quick sauce and there's like a veggie component that can be added to it cuz like you could do the tomatoes and zucchini and stuff like in the pasta too and then make I it I ended up combining yeah. mine totally. Or it could be separate for someone who's like a, a little more selective about their veggies. I feel like that's something we I do like once a week. Or like in the summertime we do a lot of like I make tortellini and the kids have like chopped cucumber and tomatoes but I'm putting my tort- tortellini on like a bed of greens with like my favorite dressing so I'm kind of like getting more reward for myself out of the meal. Mm-hmm. Totally. And that is one of those. I probably is on my meal plan on the weeks that I feel like I'm hitting my stride of like, okay, we're doing this pasta, but it's got some heft because it's tortellini or because I'm going to do some ground beef with it or some canned beans. There is a vegetable component to it, but it's like easy breezy, beautiful, whatever the vegetable component of it is. But then there's stuff like sloppy lennies. I would do sloppy lennies and like potato chips or uh like literally like greens and vinaigrette salad and feel like that was dinner too. But that's like a little more effort to me than the pasta. It's like not always I you know Gotta cook lentils. I don't know. That seems like more effort. Yeah. So I think it's different on different nights and in different seasons too.
1: Something just occurred to me because you say you feel like you hit a stride and you're feeling good. And you're like, and then I have that on my meal plan every week for a little while. Like then I'm in a stride. For me, when I'm repeating meals, That's when I'm not in my stride. See,
0: I think it's a temp. It's a when I say it's on our meal plan every week, it's more of a temp. It's more like the template idea of like, okay, there's a pasta dish, but like what I'm doing every week to make that pasta dish exciting is different.
1: I feel like anytime I have anything where I'm repeating, I'm like, ah, I'm in a slump. Yeah. Interesting. I'd like, like, I like new, like a little consistency. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. comfort in that and routine yeah yeah yes oh and that's how mike feels too my kids have even complained i wrote about it in one of my cookbooks actually my oh, gosh i can't remember which one. i think it might be in Winter, Winter chicken dinner because i made uh bolognese with chicken that's really delicious but i the head note which now i'll never write a head note again thank you Allie. um the head note tells the story about how i think it was isaac maybe oliver don't remember who cares Was like, you never make the same thing twice. Because, like, when I'm in a groove, I don't make. And I was like, yes, I do. Like, I always make this meat sauce for you. And he was like, no, you do. Okay. You make that meat sauce, but then you're making this meat sauce, and then you try another meat sauce, and then you try another meat sauce. So I think a lot of people crave consistency and comfort. I'm not that person. Like I love it when I'm like, oh, this is something new. I haven't made this before. Let's do it. Like then I feel like I feel inspired. Yeah, I'm not inspired by regularity. <laughs>
0: I was gonna say, isn't that isn't there that's a annoying for my family for inspiration in routine? I think
1: absolutely. Yes. I think so too. It doesn't. It's not for me, but I totally like get yeah. it.
0: In fairness, there's other stuff that you're very routine about. Like you use the example of exercise. You are yeah. it. Like when you have a good exercise routine, I can tell it's different to your energy and like what you're inspired to do and what you have going on.
1: Totally. And I hate it every time I work the plan. I'm like, this sucks. This sucks. So yeah, it's like that to me is routine. So I can imagine someone who separate from you because you do love cooking someone who doesn't love cooking finding a lot of comfort in that routine because the things I don't like to do I have to have a routine yeah. or else then I just won't do it and then I'll feel crappy
0: but you hit something there the people who don't like cooking a routine and a template is sometimes helpful to them and I think that's where even the concept of like a meat and three comes from it comes from like A long line of people having to just like put dinner on the table and be like, check, check, done and done. Absolutely. I'm so curious what our listeners group is going to say.
1: I am too, because I also think this ties in and we're not going to talk about it anymore, but I think it ties into Allie's ingredients list. It does. As well, right? right? Like if you don't like cooking, maybe does this work for you or does it not work for you? I think it's interesting. And I think that what's cool about this book is I really do believe it works for a huge span of people. And you can't say that about tons of cookbooks. So I think people should grab it. We'll also be sharing a recipe. Yes. Right? So if you're someone who's part of one of our community options that gives you access to recipes, you will find a recipe there. We're also going to link to the Sloppy Lenny's recipe that was published on kitchen.com. I definitely
0: linked to it before, but it's a good one. It's a good one.
1: Yeah, it's a good one. And I think that gives people a sense of how she's writing her cookbook. So you don't have to necessarily hit the library or invest in the book yet if you just want to see what we're talking about. Because I'd love for people to give it a try or at least give one of her recipes a peek and then tell us what they think
0: okay though I want to I'm scrolling down right now because I want to look they definitely formatted it differently on kitchen like in kitchen's recipe format oh they did than the book, ah. so it'll be a different feeling but hopefully okay. the recipe we'll share in the community will give you more of a taste of the format because I think that's really interesting and I have to say as someone who I know I just said I love routine I love things I tend to like things that are prescriptive I do find the format of this book very inspiring in and of itself i like that i can flip through it and be like oh here's an idea i can riff off of so i for me it's like yeah. the sweet spot between practical and aspirational of a cookbook and, and i kind of feel like if you're a busy home cook and you're burnt out you might need to have it but we've we've mentioned the community a couple times and so i want to make sure you know if you haven't joined us already there you can join for free at didn't i just feed you backslash community Or if you want to get in on those free recipes, bonus episodes, other goodies, join our supporting community.
1: You can also keep in touch with us on Instagram where we are at didn't I just feed you. Mm -hmm. Should I mention we're trying to be on TikTok too? Uh, Uh Tease it now, yes. (laughs) Try looking for us try looking for us see what you find it'll be a surprise to you and to us as well <laughs> um or you can sign up for our newsletter and of course don't forget to subscribe to didn't i just feed you wherever
0: you get your podcasts or if you're already a subscriber leave us a rating or review they bring us joy and they help other
1: busy home cooks find us a huge thank you to our producer samantha got sick i'm stacy
0: and i'm megan stay sane and well fed until next week
1: Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just
0: Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review.